Welcome everybody to our latest podcast on the topic of furloughing. I am Nicola Rabson, Global Head of Employment and Incentives at Linklaters. It is now more than three months since the government introduced the Coronavirus Job Retention or Furlough Scheme. As we know, there has been various rounds of guidance from HMRC and rules from the Treasury explaining how the scheme works. Today, I'm once again joined by Nick Marshall, a Managing Associate in the Employment Team in London, to discuss the latest changes to the scheme, which allow flexible furloughing, and also how the scheme will be wound down and some of the issues employers need to be wary of coming out of that. So, Nick, the furlough scheme changed on the 1st of July to introduce a greater flexibility. Can you talk us through some of those changes? Hi, Nicola. That's right. So last week we had the first big change to the furlough scheme since it was introduced back in March. One of the big criticisms when the scheme was introduced was that it was all or nothing. So where there was a reduction in work but not a total elimination, this left employers needing to decide whether to furlough employees and try and cover that work in other ways or to continue paying employees without being able to claim any financial support for wages from HMRC. From the 1st of July, that's all changed. Employers can now furlough employees part-time as long as they have agreed that with the employees in advance and confirmed it in writing. That means that businesses can gradually start returning to normal while still relying on the government for some limited financial assistance if employees are not required to come back for all of their normal working hours. Some of the underlying rules are quite tricky though, particularly around transitioning recently furloughed employees into flexible furlough. So it's worth employers taking expert advice to make sure that what they do doesn't fall foul of any of the eligibility requirements. One of the key points to remember is that employees can only be furloughed part-time if they have, at some point before the end of June, been furloughed full-time for three weeks. So it's not possible for an employer to start furloughing new employees who have not been furloughed previously. And the government have announced that the scheme will end in October. What will happen between now and then? That's right. So the scheme is due to close on the 31st of October and Boris Johnson was pretty clear last week that employees cannot be left in a state of suspended animation. So it is unlikely that there'll be a further extension of the scheme as we know it. Between now and the end of October, there will be a tapering off in terms of financial assistance that can be claimed from HMRC under the furlough scheme. So from the 1st of August, employers will no longer be able to claim back employer national insurance contributions or the minimum pension contributions required under pensions auto-enrolment legislation. Employers will have to bear those costs. And in September, the government will only cover 70% of wage costs up to £2,500 per month which drops to 60% in October. Now, employers will need to cover the remaining 10 and 20% of wages in September and October, respectively. But as the Chancellor announced in his mini-budget this week, 
there will be a job retention bonus available to employers who keep employing anyone who has been furloughed previously. Now, although the full details are yet to be published, it's a one-off bonus of £1,000 for every previously furloughed employee who's kept on until the end of January 2021, so long as that employee earns at least £520 per month, i.e. above the lower earnings limit for national insurance purposes, uh, on average for November, December and January. Employers will be able to claim that bonus from February next year. However, a word of caution, the Chancellor did mention that support for businesses would come with conditions around executive pay, tax and working conditions. More information about the bonus scheme will be available by the 31st of July and full guidance will be published in the autumn. So we'll need to wait and see what restrictions there are on making claims for the job retention bonus. What are some of the issues that companies need to be thinking about now that the scheme is winding down? The key thing employers should be doing is keeping records to show what they've done. So there's a requirement under the scheme rules for employers to keep a copy of the written furlough agreement or confirmation for each employee claimed for. Those records have to be retained until at least the 30th of June 2025. So it's a good idea alongside those agreements or confirmations to keep records of what was claimed from HMRC, how this was calculated, and that the grants were in fact paid to employees. And employers also need to make sure that what they've claimed is correct. So the scheme was introduced at breakneck speed and there was some uncertainty over its scope and eligibility requirements, particularly when it was launched back in March. And as of June the 28th, 9.3 million jobs have been furloughed by 1.1 million employers, with the value of claims standing at over £25.5 billion. Now, inevitably, some businesses will have made mistakes when calculating the grants that they've claimed for. Employers should now be thinking about auditing what they've claimed, for example, making sure that they've got proper agreements or confirmations in place with employees and making sure that the amounts claimed were calculated correctly. Thanks, Nick. And picking up on that last point, what will happen to employers if they have made more claims than they should have? Given that the scheme was entirely new and the guidance around it constantly evolved, I think HMRC's primary strategy will be to facilitate repayments of wrongly claimed grants, particularly where a company has innocently made a mistake. HMRC have already published guidance for employers on how to repay grants if the employer realises that those grants should not have been claimed or they've claimed too much. So employers can either deduct the overpaid amount from a future claim under the scheme or they can make a direct payment back to HMRC. But ultimately, HMRC do have powers of investigation and are seeking additional powers to require repayment and to impose fines, 
which are being fast-tracked through Parliament at the moment. So if a company fraudulently uses the scheme, that could also result in criminal sanctions, so the consequences could be quite severe. The proposed legislation suggests there'll be a 30-day amnesty for employers to repay grants that were wrongly claimed, which is why undertaking an internal audit now to check that claims have been correctly made is so important. And there are some anecdotal reports that employers have abused the scheme. Nicola, how are those reports filtering through? There is a lot of evidence, Nick, that people are coming forward now to blow the whistle or raise issues in relation to potentially fraudulent use of the furlough scheme by their employers. Um, mainly the allegations are that employees have been asked to work whilst being furloughed and that, of course, is prohibited. Those complaints are filtering through in a number of ways. The whistleblowing charity Protect reported that over one third of the calls to their hotline at the start of lockdown related to furloughing. And last week, ITB published an investigation which showed that there have been 4,500 complaints to HMRC about the abuse of the scheme of furloughing. Some employers might have received complaints directly from their employees, whether formally through the whistleblowing channels that they have in place or informally, for example, raising issues with their managers or indeed the owner of the business. Where businesses become aware of those complaints, they really do need to take them very seriously and they need to look into them and make sure that they do not subject any complainants to detriments or dismiss them, which would be unlawful. Um, as well as the financial cost of having to pay back furlough money and potentially criminal consequences for misusing the scheme, employers clearly also risk suffering quite significant reputational damage. We've already seen employers who had legitimate claims being criticised in the press, so any unlawful claims are likely to come under intense scrutiny in the media. That is why it is important for employers to undertake an audit now to work out whether there have been any inadvertent breaches of the rules. And finally, Nicola, what do employers need to consider now that they're exiting the furlough scheme? Of course, many employers are now weighing up whether to exit the furlough scheme early, either because they have to take the difficult decision to make their employees redundant or some of their employees redundant, or because they are starting to bring staff back into the workplace. Employers proposing redundancies obviously need to be particularly careful where they are making multiple redundancies at a single establishment because this can trigger collective information and consultation processes. And failing to comply with those obligations can result in significant financial liabilities. Given that the financial contributions the government will make will start decreasing from the start of August, employers do need to start planning now if they do want to make redundancies. And for employers looking to bring back employees to work, they need to make sure they are doing so in a safe way. I looked at this in more detail with Vanessa Harvard-Williams on a previous podcast, which is available on the Linklaters website. And we're also, as you know, Nick, about to record a series of podcasts looking at tricky issues relating to 
redundancies and redundancy processes. Thank you for joining me again, Nick. It's been a real pleasure recording these podcasts on furloughing with you. And thanks to everybody for listening to our podcasts. As ever, if you have any questions about furloughing and return to work or any suggestions for other topics that you would like us to discuss in this format, please do get in touch with us. We do like hearing the feedback. Take care.